Okay, hello everyone. Good afternoon, good morning. Hello, hello, depending on where you are. Can you guys hear me? Um, please, if you can hear me, just give me a thumbs up. Okay, uh, just give me everyone. a thumbs up, please. If okay. anyone, hello, awesome. Thank you, Shay. Can anyone else hear me? Hello, hello. Um, Hi, guys. Okay. Give me a thumbs up. Encourage me um, with your thumbs up, please. Thank you. Thank you. So, good afternoon, everyone. Um, we'll just kick off. Coffee. I mean, we know that we have a lot to talk about. Um, my name is Chidera. Um, I'm the growth lead at Vested. So, welcome and thank you for joining our Twitter space, Jackba Osti. And today, we're going to find out, you know, the other side of the story. I mean, we we all witnessed the spike in emigration in September. I think even like first quarter, second quarter of the year as well. And it felt like, you know, we that hadn't left were missing out on something. And and then we started hearing people's experiences, you know, those ones that successfully jackpot, they were sharing you know, five ways to do this in the UK, three ways to survive in London, you know, all those kind of things. And then and then we even heard just about people that were, you know, your neighbors, your friends, even your best toes that you hung out with a night before. And then maybe you see their WhatsApp status or their Instagram status with, you know, a broad background where they're using hashtags London weather so soft. You know, the, <laughs> I don't know if any of us experience these things, but I mean, it happened, right? But in all this, we 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 understand the pain and pleasure points from both sides. So, I mean, we're not taking any sides. We're a proudly Nigerian brand that is neither Team Japa nor Team Stay, and we're also not sitting on the fence, right? Our goal, our main goal is to help you achieve financial well-being, whether you choose to jackpot or you choose to stay. And, you know, this is why we have our Vested app in the app stores to help you achieve this financial well-being. We have our website, vested.ng, with all the resources on there that are aimed at helping you achieve this financial well-being. And we have our social media channels at Vested NG on Instagram, Facebook, of course, Twitter, LinkedIn, and even TikTok that are solely centered on helping you achieve financial well-being. And so in all that we do, we're we are intentional. And just like with this session, we were very deliberate with our choice of moderator, Mojibade Shosoya. And all our speakers, Kobe Igwe, Tony Wolabi, Shaye Seton, and Daniel Otabo, you know, who span across different professional fields and generations. We have Gen Zs, millennials, boomers, CEOs, we have nine to fivers, we have founders, we have owners of businesses. Come on, guys. I thought some people would have started giving me clap emojis. <laughs> we have Everybody fully represented here, and we believe that. 
audience, you'll be able to relate to at least one of them. And I can also confidently say that they all have the means to jackpot, but they have all chosen to stay. <laughs> and we cannot wait to hear their stories and, you know, for them to tell us why they've chosen to stay. So if you're listening to us now, go and drag your neighbor, drag your sister, your friend, your colleague, anyone who is planning to jackpot or anyone who is passionate about Nigeria, for them to come and listen in. You know, we believe that you would all find this session useful. So before I take up all our time, please let me hand over to our delectable moderator, Mojibade Show, um, and allow her to kick this session off and just take you guys through the session. So I'll keep quiet now. Moji, please, over to you. Welcome, everyone, again. Uh, if you're speaking, we can't hear you. Or is it just me? Can anyone hear Moji? No, I can't hear her. Uh, okay. Um, just hold on a minute. Let me see if I can reach her. Um, Moji, if you can hear us, can you put in the chat box or something that you can hear us? Okay, we just heard okay, you now. So I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes, yes. We can hear you now. Uh, okay, so if, can ever, if you can hear me, please give me a thumbs up. Um, oh, oh, looks like no one can hear me. Um, I will quickly switch my network, but can you hear we me can now? Hear you. Yes. Okay, can you. okay, you can hear me now. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Sorry about that. Um, this is probably why some people have left us because of our poor network, but <laughs> we're here. Um, so I was thanking Chidera for a great job laying the foundation for the conversation, and I will just take it up from here. Like she said, my name is Mojibadi Shosoya, and I will be moderating this Japa or Stay conversation, the other side of the story. Um, and I think that just like she said, this is a very timely conversation and highly relatable as well, like extremely relatable um, we will try to keep to time. We have said one hour and we hope that we are able to, you know, have these conversations with my very amazing um, speakers in, within an hour because we could go on and on. This is such a relatable conversation and a very topical one at that because it's a, it's the Japa syndrome, whether we like to admit it or not, but I'm sure we can, everybody can see it, right? And we want this to also be engaging. So at some point we'll give room for, everyone listening in to ask questions please we want it to be as engaging as possible so it's not just our speakers talking we also want you to engage um however we also we want you to understand that you know this is not a conversation that is targeted at urging people to remain here in nigeria i mean the, deci the decision is solely yours but we just want to understand why some people have chosen to stay regardless. You know, I mean, we understand what's happening in the country and all the, you know, economic issues. But some people that have the capacity to actually leave are still here. 
So we want to talk to them and just find out what exactly is driving them and why they have chosen to stay. You know, when I was preparing for this conversation, after I had, we had concluded conversations on getting on this topic, I, I started to feel so lonely because I realized that most of my close friends have left the country. Like, it's getting so lonely here, and I'm just like, what is actually going on? Then, two days ago, someone sent me a message, one of my friends. She just says, hi, darling. For some weird reason, I just said, Remy, please don't tell me you have relocated. Don't tell me you are about to relocate because every message I've gotten in the past couple of days is about, oh, I'm relocating, or I'm now in Canada. And she goes, I relocated last month. I'm like, what is actually going on here? Like, what is going on here? Who is going to remain in this country after like two months? Looks like everyone is leaving. However, we have some prominent people here who I'll, who I'll be speaking with um very shortly but allow me to introduce them very quickly um first i'll introduce um satonio Wolabi. he's the managing director of fsdh asset management he has over 20 years of banking experience he's worked at fcmb imb international bank and now fsdh he um, has children that live outside the country but he's here so thank you very much for joining us mr tony it will be such an honor to have you here and also discuss with you today we also have kubi igwe hi kubi kubi is founder and creative director at ihe kubi it's a women's fashion line women's wear fashion line with its headquarters in nigeria she's had her education at the University College London Institute Maragone and London College of Fashion, University of Arts London. Thank you very much for joining us, Kubi. I look forward to the conversation today. Um, also joining us, we have Daniel Otabo. He's a brand and corporate communication speaker and leadership consultant. He's written a book titled Dear Leader, and it's a book that speaks to personal leadership for collective national transformation thank you for joining us daniel um last and definitely not the least joining us co-founder vendor credit Olusion. He, um, vendor credit is a financial solutions um, provider for micro and small businesses before vendor credit he's worked at the bank and he's done some other side gigs and hustles, which has now led him here to vendor credit. So please um, join me to welcome my speakers as we get straight into the conversation so that we do not waste any more time. Um, I'll be speaking with them very shortly. And first I'll ask, you know, just general questions. But the interesting thing about our panel today is that across different generations. So, I mean, you hear uh, Mr. Tony, for example, has over 20 years experience in banking. So he's, I mean, I mean, for me, I would say I'm Gen Z and I've chosen to identify as a Gen Z today or not anyone knows my age. Well, for this conversation, I'm Gen Z. So we have, you know, the um, millennial joining us. We have, you know, Gen Z here as well. So we're looking forward to a well-balanced conversation, actually. So we're looking at it from different angles. And just like I said earlier, you know, our four speakers are people that have international experiences and also have the capacity and, you know, the means to jackpot as it were, but they're still here and are thriving and have chosen to stay regardless of, you know, all the pressure and even with the means that they have to actually leave the country, they can even just, Mr. Tony can just 
vexed now and say, you know what, I'm going to buy an American passport and I'm leaving this country. But, you know, he's here. Cheyenne could do the same. Kubi could also say, you know what, with all my international degrees and, you know, my fashion brand, I'm just going to leave this country. But we're still here and I'll be speaking with them um, right about now. So my first question, right, is I will start with um, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. So what do you think about the rate of Nigerian youths leaving the country and what do you think this effect uh, what do you think is the effect of this on our socioeconomic structure hi daniel can you hear me hi moji okay um, awesome how's it going thanks for thanks for the question it's good to be here with everyone today um great topic we're going to talk about right about now Yes, so what do I think? What do I think? Uh, well, truth be told, I am of the opinion that young people are always looking for, well, most young people are looking for... So just to check, can everyone hear Daniel? Yes, can you guys hear me though? Please give it a thumbs up if you can hear Daniel. Okay, right, awesome. So I was saying that I am of the opinion that young people are constantly looking for ways to um, be better at what they do, um, greener pastures and all of that stuff. And with the current state of the country, it seems as though they can't find that here in Nigeria, so they're looking for ways to leave the country. Um, you can't exactly blame them because we've not done so much to keep them back here and just make them flourish. Uh, that that that's really going to affect the 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 nation. You can see the best hands are leaving um, with the workplace, our communities, our our neighborhood. You know, but generally our workplace. And today you call on your on your bank relationship manager, and, and the next thing you hear that the person no longer there. Um, companies are now going below the two one first class. Um, margin to say, you know what, well, let's just get anybody and just train them for this particular position. Um, so that, that that will also have its own effect. Uh, all of these things are, could have been, could have been, let me use the word, it could have been stopped or, yes, checked, but we, as a country, we just did not fix the right, we just didn't put things in place to keep the best minds here in Nigeria to help it develop. So yes, that's this is my thought on on what you just asked. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you very much. Um, and I can totally relate with that because I know a bank that you know um, they were very strict on um, their entry level staff being strictly first class or two one. But right now they're saying, you know what? Just come anyhow. It's fine. Just come on board. We are willing to take every single person and train them to, you know, be able to take on the roles because a lot of people had left, right? Um, so I'm going to ask uh, Mr. Toyin the same question. Uh, what do you think about the rate of Nigerian youth leaving the country and what is the effect of this on our socioeconomic structure? Good afternoon, Mr. Toyin. Yes, uh, good afternoon, um... Um, it's it's really nice to be here. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me. Can everybody yes, hear me? Excellent, excellent, excellent. Great. So yeah, so um, what I can say is that um, yeah, look, 
uh, it's alarming to say the least, um, considering the impact it has uh, on, on the country. Uh, I think uh, Daniel already mentioned the labor, labor force, but then um, the, 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 the more uh, clear and present danger is that if you look at the oil and gas company, for instance, uh, where we require very extremely skilled labor. Some people leave, and then we just replace with um, so many people. I mean, so we replace with the, the people from, you know, maybe the lower level or lower cadre uh, employees. They don't know what they're doing, so they mess things up for us as a country. They are not, um, they're not um, particularly uh, equipped. So we run the risk of putting people who are not equipped uh, in, 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 in roles uh, just so that we can have somebody there. Yeah, that's something that um, I think it's a, it's a bigger problem. If you look at teachers in school, for instance, uh, you, you look at the quality. I mean, I remember when we were in school, they say uh, the, people in, the people that have third class, they become politicians. Or second class lower, they become politicians. The people who have uh, first degree work for them, and the people who have um, uh, first class work for them, and two one. You know, so what's happening today is that the people who have the first class and the two ones are have uh, developing opportunities or discovering opportunities to get out. So we have the people who are the least, uh, the dregs of of of, of uh, academia, so to speak, in, in roles where they ought not to be. So we have a lot of problems uh, emanating from, from, from that alone. Uh, let's not even talk about other effects that, 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 that it has on um, you know, uh, families and the rest, but I think uh, we, can, we can stop at this uh, for now. Thank you. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Mr. Atomi, for the contribution. I did have some network issues. Um, I wasn't sure. I couldn't hear you clearly, but I picked a few things. You know, you talked about the challenges of putting people that are not, you know, um, qualified in certain roles because now we lack most of our qualified hands have gone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So that's a major risk, actually. Um, thank you for your contribution. So I'm going to ask um, Sheye, this right, Shaya and Kubi. I'm asking both of you this question: Why have you chosen to stay in Nigeria, even though you can afford to relocate? So I will start with the lady. Ladies first. <laughs> you know, I have to respect my my fellow lady. All right, so hi, Kubi. Over to you now. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Hello. Kubi, can you hear me? Okay. Hi. Yes, okay. okay. Um, I try to streamline this so that we just don't, I don't talk for too long. And the, for me, it came down to why, I mean, having studied and lived abroad for a few years, I grew up in Nigeria um, and then eventually went abroad to school in my adult years. So I think I got to experience both as a young person, teenager, and then part of my young adulthood um, in two different, both on the Nigerian side and in the UK. And um, when I started to decide, okay, why are you actually still here? My mindset had always been 
go to school, finish whatever you have to do, get any experience you need. We were always going back home. That was always my mindset. So for me, it wasn't much of a choice. Um, oh, you're choosing to stay because when something is your default setting, you're not, you're not necessarily choosing it. It just is. So that was one. And um, as I became aware, of course, in running a business, as I became aware of the environmental challenges, you know, you don't have to revisit this choice. Is this still making sense? You know, and I thought, okay, I'm aware of these challenges, but these are environmental. Does it also make me limited? These are just questions and my own thought process in making this decision to remain here. You've built this business, you've built this life. What would it look like to transition into a different location or geography or whatever? And not just in terms, because I know that it's a very financial and economic decision, but beyond that, for me, the living experience in any other country was a big deal. In fact, it is a deal breaker. That's how serious it was for me. So what does that life look like if I was choosing to live abroad again? Versus what would that life look like here? What are the things keeping me here? Outside of family and those other the things, you know, feeling of home, it's not necessarily that at some point, because really when your livelihood is on the line, um, you will look at the family as if all of us can move. Um, but ultimately, it was a sense of ownership, I think, for me about the Nigerian problem, maybe, and what role we get to play in that story, you know, because ultimately... It gives meaning to whether it's a business you're starting, whether it's a job you're doing in a nine to five, or whatever else it is. It, that's, it comes back to that thing, that sense of ownership. And once I felt like we were meaningfully participating in you know, doing our bit, then it started to become easier for me to deal with the environmental challenges. And I separated myself from the environmental challenges in that just for, you know, there is the mental part of dealing with your reality. So don't be, I'm not unaware of my reality, but I also am not the whole of my reality, right? Um, and I think there was a, an experience that really brought this home to me. Now, in the course of running uh, my business, if I have course to travel abroad, I like to route through wherever it benefits my business. So on a particular occasion, I was routing through Istanbul. Um, Istanbul is synonymous with, you know, fabrics, manufacturing, what name, you know, and what have you. I'd finished and I was waiting at the airport and I had enough time to look at movement of people because really that's what this is about, um, the Japa thing. And in this small, in this massive, you know, hustling, bustling city, um, in a like six hour window, I had calculated about 180 to 200 flights that were taken off to just about every destination around the world. And I think for me, that was an aha moment. This was a few years ago. It was a big aha moment because I think many times when we read stories and all of those things, you might not necessarily grasp, you know, the impact of those the news or the reports and all of these things but in that moment 
I thought, how many? This is just six hours. There are 24 hours in a day. This airport is not the only airport in this con in this state or in this region, you know. And then do that multi you know multiply those numbers. For me, that was what brought home my environmental limitation and really made me sit. Okay, how do we either at least you know, not lag behind. How do we overcome this limitation? What is within my control? So for me, once I, I started, I took that experience, went back to my drawing board and started to see, yes, my environment is limited in certain ways, but do I see myself as a person as limited? No. And once that consciousness started to drive me it started to help me ask the question, okay, how do I ensure that my environmental limitations do not become my personal limitations? You know, I mean, there's some of it that's, there's some of it that's um, unavoidable, but the much that we can navigate through, I think that became my focus and driving force. And that's how come I'm still here now. So I think that answers, you know, in a nutshell, and we can get into more later. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Kubi. I, I like, you know, how you handle that um, question, especially because you talked about the sense of ownership, which is quite important. And even though you are not um, unaware of your reality, you are not limited by your environment. You're not letting your environmental, you know, limitation become your own personal limitation. And you're doing something for yourself and you're doing it great, not just doing it, you know, in passing. Thank you so much, um, Kobe. You know, it just, when you were talking about sense of ownership and, you know, Nigeria and all that, I remember the song from um, KSC, King Sonia Day, and it says, I mean, it's in Yoruba, but I'll translate. Um, it says, Nigeria, I'm sure people are like, Abeg, there are different places we can go. So it just says, Nigeria belongs to <laughs> all of us. To all of us. Yeah. It must not go bad because there's nowhere else to go. People are eyeing me in Japa in Japa language. Like, how dare you say there's nowhere else you can go? Are you, am I? Are we? Are we joking here? Of course. I mean, we have options, right? But we must you know, own Nigeria, regardless of where we are. So you can even be tuning in from different parts of the world. But that sense of ownership, because regardless of what it is, you're still in Nigeria. You're still Nigerian, right? So we, I think it's very important that we have that sense of ownership. Thank you so much, Kubi. And now to my friend and brother. Hi, Shea. Thank you for joining us. I'm asking you the same thing I asked um, Kubi, right? Why have you chosen to stay right here, even though I know that if you want to buy 20 international passports today, you can buy it. Shea, I've just Amen. put you out there. <laughs> My rich friend. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> um, can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? Just to make sure. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Um, I mean, I have the high power panel we have here and you know when Kubi was talking about uh, why she chose to stay sorry it's a high power panel we have here and uh, when Kubi was talking about why she chose to stay I was like man this is this is so profound how can I beat this because my reasons are <laughs> my reasons are kind of very rudimentary so number one maybe one of the major reasons why I couldn't go or I've chosen to stay is um, the weather I, I can't stand cold. I can't stand winter. I can't stand any of those kind of things. If the weather is not, you know, 
as warm as it is over here, uh, with a little spice of hamatan. Um, I'm not sure I'll be able to survive in those circumstances. Uh, I think the second thing was the food. Uh, every time I travel on vacation, uh, can you guys still hear me? Just to... Hello? <laughs> Um, we can hear you, sir, but there's my teacher's parents. Okay, oh, okay, we can hear you. Sorry about that. Uh, so I think the second reason was food. Um, I, I, everywhere I go to, I'm always trying to find Amala or pounded jam and all these other things, you know. And you can't find those things readily or affordably in other parts of the world. So uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I chose to stay as well. And then I like Oampe as well. You can't. I mean, if you've ever gone for a party in the U.S. or any of those ones, it's, it really doesn't hit as much as the Nigerian one does. So those are some of the reasons, uh, those are some of the joking reasons why I decided to stay. But now to brass tax as in the real reasons, um, I when I was in banking, right, um, I, I was heading one desk called the Chinese desk, right? And the strategy for the bank then was to, because we realized that trade between uh, Nigeria and China was, you know, was on the upward swing. It really made sense for us to position ourselves, you know, to capture some of the opportunities that are inherent in that. So um, we had gone on a trip, myself, and part of the strategy was to obviously uh, recruit a Chinese person to um, open, you know, to lead us into the Chinese community. So on one of those um, trips, we went to somewhere in Abelkuta. And um, when we were there, they took us into, no, I'm not talking about Abelkuta, the city. They took us to Abelkuta, the, like, the Okuta side of Abelkuta. So by the time we got there, you know, I was going in and I saw, you know, I met the MD of the company. It was a Chinese company that were blasting rocks and we're using it to supply one of these other Chinese construction companies. And you wouldn't believe that this guy could not speak one word in English. And that, that made me think deeply that, do you know what it means for you to leave your country, right? Go to another country, not be able to speak the language, not be able to do anything there, or communicate, you know, efficiently as every other person would. But you still get there and you're able to, you know, make hundreds of millions, if not billions of naira for yourself. So for me, what that just told me, what that told me point blank was the fact that and, it, and if you look at it as well, we have a lot of communities here. You have Indian communities, you have Chinese communities, you have Lebanese communities, you have even some other African communities as well that have left their homes to come here to make, you know, make uh, wealth for themselves. So it makes you ask that there must be something in this country that all these people are seeing, that they're leaving their land to come all the way here. They can't speak to you, they can't speak language, they can't speak English, they can't they don't know anybody, they don't have family. But yet, they are still able to make, you know, a, a, you know, some level of wealth for themselves. So we need to ask ourselves, I think it was that that got me asking myself that, look, it, it'd be crazy for me to leave my land, you know, in, in search of another land to go and make wealth when people are coming from far away to come and make that same level of wealth there. And maybe that was one of the um, underlying reasons for um, staying behind in the country as well. And beyond that, obviously, the Nigeria that we want will not be built by other people. That's true. We don't want to come back after many years of Japan and realize that 
instead of Muritala Mohammed International Airport, you will see Jongshing Wine International Airport in Lagos. Those are the kind of things that we're not hoping to see. Uh, those are that's not the kind of Nigeria we want to bequeath to our children. So for me, I think those are the major reasons why few of the reasons why I decided to stay back in the country. All right, I, thank I you. you guys yes, 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 yes. <laughs> All right, thank you, Shaya. So, not equal that you spoke about this other bit. I would have called you a foodie and a rocket because you stayed back in Nigeria to party. <laughs> you stayed back in Nigeria to eat amala. Wow. Let's not even go into that amala conversation right now. But, but you know, you mentioned something very critical at the end of your. Um, uh, at the end of your answer, you said that the Nigeria we want will not be built by others. So we must actually do our own part. And, and I think that is very fundamental because we have a Nigeria of our dreams, right? We want, there's a Nigeria that we want, but we must work, you know, hand in hand. And, you know, I think it just speaks to Daniel's um, book that talks about uh, personal leadership for collective national transformation. You know, everybody must take charge. Everybody must, um, okay, I just want to be sure that you can hear me. Everybody must take charge and play their own part in building the Nigeria of our dreams. Um, thank you very much, Jaya, for your contribution. Um, and thank you to all my speakers who spoke earlier. So would, I would go around again to ask another set of questions, but then I'd like to ask that if you have any questions at all, please feel free to um, um, drop them. Or if you'd like to speak, you can um, just raise, signify by, you know, raising your hand, just show by raise your hand, raising your hand if you have any questions at all. All right, so I'm going to ask Mr. Tony something, right? So Mr. Tony, my next question will be for you. You know, it seems like we have trends you know, just like it is in fashion, right? There are trends that come and go. So there was, in fashion, I remember when Damask was raining one time way back and then it went out of fashion, then a new trend came, people used Damask to make dresses and it became a thing. The same thing has happened for this Jakpa thing, right? So in the 1980s, for example, a lot of Nigerians emigrated. That's where, you know, all our uncles and aunties, you know, <laughs> I have some aunties that forever their mommy London, you know, um, Auntie Tunde, Auntie Bola America, you know, they have their, their extra names. Yeah, you just attach their cities or their states to their names, you know, um, Uncle, Uncle Kule London, those kind of people. So, and they, I think most of these people left the country in the 80s. There was like a, a Japa pandemic then. I mean, before it even became a thing right now, I mean, for obvious reasons, right? So with your experience in the 80s, when many Nigerians emigrated, do you think that the potential effect of the recent Japa movement has been overblown? Like, has it blown out of proportion in this season, if you compare it the trend then and what is happening right now? Uh, well, well, thank you. Uh, um, okay, so... Um... Okay, let, let me let me let me let me uh, uh, just uh, do a bit of uh, a rundown of, of this uh, immigration thing. So, in, in in the 70s, we still had a bit of people actually uh, emigrating uh, because they were going to school, and then you know, and then from school, some decided to stay back. But in the 80s, one of the major challenge was this um, economic stability issues where. Uh, we experienced the first devaluation of the Naira. I remember very vividly that uh, the Naira, one Naira was um, 
somewhere around 66 Cobo, you know, and uh, personally, I had my own experience, but uh, Naira, Naira became four Naira, um, dollar became four Naira, and a lot of um, uh, medical um, personnel, uh, personnel and um, the teachers, uh, you know, left Nigeria. Now, that, we, we targeted the brain drain at that time, and, and it was a problem. Uh, you know, uh, the government actually said uh, there was a television program then, uh, Andrew, Andrew Checkout. That was the advert. It was a sensitization uh, thing by the government. You know, the guy comes on the screen and says, oh, there's no water, there's no light, I can't even get a decent um, stuff here and there, I'm checking out. And then somebody advises him, don't check out to Andrew. There are opportunities in Nigeria. I just talks about it, just generally to keep people here. But the 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 wave now is a lot different. And the difference, the difference uh, is from, you know, at that time when it was the very exceptionally skilled folks, you know, the professors in the medicine, the the other lecturers, top bankers top um, medical profession professionals and you know the rest but now everybody is looking for that opportunity and the opportunity is happening is, is opening up everywhere and um, I, I think it's more the, the, the effect is more the pressure is more and um, you know I think Nigeria uh, suffers more I mean uh, because um, now all the productive people. And if you find out why is it that um, the, all these foreign countries are opening up to Nigeria and the rest of uh, the world the way they are now, everybody's trying to fill in uh, uh, workspace because they, are, they have um, aging, aging uh, 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 population. So they need people to come and work and, 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 and get taxed to keep their uh, population happy and healthy, right? So they're, they're, they're actually taking from us, uh, you know, our young and resourceful people who ought to uh, contribute, you know. And then the amount of money we have spent in educating these people, you know, um, there's a lot of them that have gone to school. And, I mean, I think there was a study that says that we spent approximately $50,000 to, to make to train a doctor from primary school to uh, graduation, you know Nigeria has spent that from tax uh, from paying uh, collecting tax. Now those guys are going and they're going to spend the most of their productive lives outside of the country working for other people. Well, the the, the impact is much because they say that the youth the youth are the productive people of of every economy, and that's why China. Um, I think it was Shea who mentioned uh, the, the, the China. China has benefited from that, from that, and they have grown as a result. So, unfortunately for us, the problem with us is that we're not skilling our our young uh, population. We just we just leave them there. We're not educating them. Even the ones that are educated, half of them are half educated because the teachers that are teaching them are not motivated. They are not well paid, so they don't give the best. So. Um, Yes, so I can say uh, that um, yes, uh, the effect is a lot more. It's it, but it's not overstated. The concern is not overstated, yeah, because uh, Nigeria is actually losing a lot. But there's a flip side, which I think I should just mention, so that it's not all uh, it's not all glo uh, gloom. Uh, we realize that uh, the whole of Africa 
perhaps received about 32 billion in terms of remittances from uh, folks who uh, were sending money home, you know, and that uh, Nigeria takes a significant portion of that. So that may be uh, uh, an, ups an upside. But then, you know, there's a lot of harm that is, uh, that is uh, being done as, a, as a, you know, right now. And um, unfortunately, it is because of survival. So yes, I can say that yes, it is uh, it's profound. It's uh, is uh, is really is really uh, a problem, but it's not it's not overblown. I mean, it's it's not. They, 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 we've got to continue to talk about it because it's a big, big, big problem. So it's, I don't want to overstate the situation, but I think that um, you know something uh, um, drastic has to be done. And I don't, I'm not saying keeping people here, but then uh, the people that are left need to be trained. There must be quality, uh, quality infrastructure. You can imagine what would happen in Nigeria if there was power. There's a lot of people who are working in industries where they have no business, but because they want to eat, you know, they've left what they really enjoy and would take them uh, high you know, to settle for something that will just for, for bread and butter. So the, the, the issue is that we've got to focus and, 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 and get Nigeria uh, going, you know, build the infrastructure. The government has not, the government should just allow people to flourish. The private sector is enough to take care of itself. I was talking to a colleague of mine uh, just yesterday, and, you know, we, we discovered something. The most productive parts uh, of, the, of this country Right, where, uh, areas where in the past 10 years are areas where you know the government didn't have anything to do. We, we're talking about the banking reform, we're talking about the telecom telecommunications reform, we're talking about pension reform. You know, all these areas the government didn't invest a cover, but they allowed the private sector to do its thing. And I believe that if that happens, you know, Nigeria will get better and then people will, uh you know, the country will change and things will work. So thank you. Think you very much, Mr. Uh, Toyin. So yeah, please call me Toyin, you know, call, call me Toyin. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Thank you very much, Toyin. Um, I think it's very critical that government should allow people to flourish. It's, it's very important because you would see how, you know, when people are given an enabling environment, they are able to actually, you know, um, just be fruitful, be productive, and just come up with innovative ideas and things that can actually change our country and situation, of course, for the better. Thank you very much. Um, so let me ask Shea this, right? And just to also remind everyone who is listening, that if you have any questions or contributions that you would like to um make make known to everyone who's listening please just signify by raising your hand and i'll unmute you so you can also speak but my next question will be to actually daniel let me ask daniel so a lot of people have jackpot a lot like every new every day i'm seeing someone updating on social media one month in my new location or new me new life just different things every day something people that you know are like ah, i just saw you at ebano last week <laughs> what's going on so you know what is one thing we can do or what is one thing we need to sort out in nigeria to encourage those that have jackpot to return 
as they mature and to come back and build wealth here in Nigeria. Because just like Shaya said, we have to build the Nigeria that we want, right? And people are coming, in fact, a lot of foreigners are coming in here every now and then to invest. So they see something, they see a potential here. Now, how do we encourage our own people to actually come back, the people that have jackpot and said, you know, I'm not coming back here. What are things we can do, you know, from your own perspective? What are things we can do to make them return and build wealth here in Nigeria? Over to you, Daniel. Yeah, thank you, Moji. I remember when I was uh, as far back as 2012, um, 2014, sorry, I had a friend who uh, traveled to Poland uh, for his master's. He texted me on IGC, you now he's going to come back uh, to Nigeria. And I said to him, okay, that would be a good idea, good idea for you to come back to Nigeria. At the time, um, when he was done with his master's, he texted me again. And I said to him, I don't want to see you in Nigeria. This was in 2015, 2016. Um, I have had to see my friends just travel out of the country, um, I've had to see my family members travel out of the country. Um, you see them on Instagram and you see them, you see their Instagram profile. You would see a Canadian flag placed alongside a Nigerian flag. Um, on October 1st, you see them, be, they'll be the first people to celebrate our independence here in Nigeria from Canada or the UK or the US. Um, I see these things and it is clear to me what the problem is. You see, when you're in a country where you you cannot safely travel by road without having to pray or fast uh, before your trip, uh, without having to say to yourself, I hope I get to my destination on, you know, without being kidnapped or somebody calling my parents or my family members or my friends to say, to ask for ransom. When, you're, you, when you are in the country where it seems as though your human rights is being violated, um, the educational system does not have your your best interest at heart where you see people have stayed at home for eight months eight good months that's that's one full session wasted uh when you're in a country where um the you you can just die from malaria or you can just die from fake drugs when you're in a country where um you 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 things are just not working the best way they should be working if you have the opportunity to leave, you most likely leave. Um, so, so what's 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 my what's going to make people come back? It's it's very easy. Just fix the leadership of this country. Um, you would hear people say that, de- depending on who becomes president next year, that will determine whether or not I return back to Nigeria over the next eight years. And this is true. We we are experiencing a situation where. It looks as though our hard work is our hard work is now something that that seems as though you are not wise. If you are not going the wrong route, if you are not doing things that are illegal, if you are not if you are not in a space that is giving you money in in, in a very very bad way, you are not you are not doing the right thing. And people are saying to themselves, "I can't I can't flourish in this system. I can't be in this system that doesn't encourage me. That doesn't enable me to succeed." Nigerians leave this country, travel abroad, and they are doing so well. I just saw a list, was it yesterday or today, of Nigerians who are literally succeeding in the political space in the U.S. 
My uncle has a company in the UK that is succeeding. My friends are doing so well. These are my peers. And when I look at my other peers here in Nigeria, yes, they're doing well, but the system is just stifling. It's strangling the, their efforts. We need to create... See, our political space has to change. It has to change. The leadership of this country needs to change at all at all sectors, in all, in all political, executive, judiciary, legislative, it has to change. And if that doesn't change, people cannot have confidence in Nigeria. People cannot see a future. I was saying a few days ago that, so someone asked me, why do you think Nigerian youth do not have delayed gratification? And I said to the people, delayed gratification comes when you have hope for the future. If you cannot see anything in the future, what do you want to delay? What exactly do you want to delay? So we, we need to create, again, a country where, you know, there is peace and unity, where you can truly progress, where you, where you know that anybody, regardless of who, where you come from, who your father is, who your mother is, regardless of who you are, you can succeed. As long as you put your heart to what you're doing, you can succeed. Where you don't have to know somebody to succeed. Do you know, as it is right now, you, you most likely... I was speaking at this at the university one time and I was just saying to them, it's important that you have good grades. It's important that you that you that you stay in school and you know just do your thing, come out with good grades. I did not say get a job at the end of what I was saying. I was just trying to say to them, just get good grades and see how you can create jobs and you know hopefully get employed. But I wasn't confident in saying to them that they will get jobs and they come out come out of school. All right. And someone said to me that he he or she, that she said to me that she had she has been hearing this thing of you go in school, make sure you have good grades so that you can get a good job and all that. But it's not, it's not the case when you come out of school. We have young people, a lot of young people who are jobless. Again, you see people in their 30s staying with their parents comfortably because guess what? The jobs that they have cannot afford them, cannot give them the, the, the ability to rent a good apartment, get a good Good space to in a good space to live. Uh, get a car. Get just have the good things of life. You can't. So they are staying with their parents, right? So we need. We truly and desperately need to fix the leadership of Nigeria. Else, more people are going to leave us. More people are going to leave us. And this is we are already seeing it happening. So my take is to say, fix the leadership of this country, and people will gladly come back. And just do their thing in Nigeria. This is my take. Hmm. Thank you so much. Wow. I like how you just ended it like my two cents. I'm dropping my pen. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, when you were talking about one of your friends that went to Poland for um for his I think master's degree, right? I had a friend who left um I think in 2013. When did we finish school? 2013 for her master's. And then after two years, she was done. I'm like, ah, what's up? When are you coming back? She's like, um, she's not sure. Next year, when are you coming back? She's not sure. She, and I said, are you ever going to come back to this country? Her response was, maybe for my wedding. She has gotten married, my dear, and she still didn't come back for her wedding. She just, everything was there. So I totally agree with you. We do need to fix 
the leadership because just like John C. Maxwell says, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. So we do need to fix the leadership of our country. And we do hope that, you know, people will come back um, to invest and be a part of the beautiful things that can actually come out of Nigeria. Thank you very much, uh, Daniel, for your contribution. So my next question will be to Kubi. But just before I ask Kubi any, the next question, to remember... To remind everyone, beg your pardon, to, if you have any question, please um, signify. Okay, I see Lord Lawal. Okay, okay, just give me a moment. I'll ask Kubi the next question, and then I'll ask, I'll allow every other person to ask their question so that we can also um, keep the time and wrap up at five, just like we have said. So my question to Kubi is, how has the internet and the ability to transact with customers globally impacted your decision to maintain um, your business here, your business head office here in Nigeria? Okay. Hello again. Hi. Thank you. Okay, good. You can hear. So, um, I think for me, internet tied to my second point around the reason to stay. And when I thought about it, what would help me, you know, not feel limited? I said, okay, I need to have access. I need to have access to different countries. I need to have access to people. I need to have access to market. I need to have access to resources, education, anything that I was going to need to thrive within the constraints of my environment. Um, some of the ways that we've done that um, as a business, um, using internet for access to people and markets. And, you know, I know the stories are very, everybody's living, everybody's living, everybody's living. For me, my perspective was, ah, all the better. All these people that are living are entryways into new markets for me. So that's how I framed the problem and decided to start, okay, this person has left. I'll give you an example again. Um, in my studio where I work from, the first studio, I was partnering with two textile businesses to display because they were online businesses. And you know, when you deal with online businesses, because of the trust problem, many people still like an experience center or, you know, where they can go in, see, feel, touch, buy. So these were people who didn't have physical locations and they decided, ah, please help us stock this, 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 and we'll pay you rent for it. Fantastic. Now, some of those people happen to relocate. For me, I can sit and say, oh, now this income has gone or one thing has happened. But I chose to, okay, sis, how quickly are you going to settle down? Can we start drop shipping? Can we start this? Can we start that? I don't need to be in Canada to do those things. I just need to have a trusted person. I need to have the technology that grants me access. I need to have the payment routes. I need to have what a business needs to buy and sell. And um, that's how I started to use those ones as far as people. Um, second thing about internet or technology, I think um, information technology generally um, was automation, you know? And when you talk of automation, you're talking of um, processes like, you know, accounting, payments, you know, in communicating with customers and even design. So there's some aspects of design, for instance, that we require softwares for. Um, so how do we do these things? Because again, if you're going to have access, for me, access also means that 
I should be able to not physically be in Lagos, but still have a good sense of what's going on in that business, you know? So what are the tools that will enable me do that? And that's where automation came in. So from day one, even when we couldn't afford it, you know, necessarily, I mean, fully, I understood the importance of things like, even, I mean, as basic as invoicing, billing, payments, being automated. Um, so from the jump, we had that in place. Um, it helped that I had lived abroad for a length of time. So I had at least international bank accounts so that when a lot of banks were experiencing problems with Nigerian cards and rejection here and there, I had something to fall back on. Um, so that's as far as that. The third thing being around sales and marketing. Um, we're in a very digital world now. So again, putting ourselves out there, using tools that the world recognizes, whether it's um, for advertising or for promoting the brand. I mean, tools varying from Google, business, even our WhatsApp that we, a lot of us sit and just chat away with. These are things, I mean, when I started to hear, you know, I exposed myself to a lot of workshops, seminars with entrepreneurs or people, you know, building different businesses. Because um, I am very, I like to see Nigerian people doing it here because you need to have like reference points were important for me. So I was sleeping on a lot of these tools for a very long time. Until I started hearing the kind of numbers that people were pulling just from as simple as WhatsApp, you know, I'm like, wait, are we in the same country like this same whatsapp that i've been using to chat and do lol since morning some people are pulling millions on monthly ah how do we do this thing started to learn that you know of course when you talk of fashion and beauty space you can't do it without visual presence you can't do it without the instagrams and facebook's of this age and it's just the reality of where we are and that helps a lot um it helps to um it creates the perception of a brand, you know? So when people look at you from abroad, it would be funny if you're telling somebody pay the equivalent of 150 $200, $400 for an outfit and you look like you have never seen that even $20 because they can easily stop at Forever 21 and pick something. They can easily stop at Primark and pick something. The question is, why does that person have to send you they are $200. Why do they have to send you? So you have to create as real as possible of a persona online so that people understand what it takes to do what you do and that you're doing it at a level that's comparable to what they see where they are. That's what, that's how we work. That's how I've always worked. And um, now having people who have also moved from here into different countries whether it's the u.s it's canada it's uk even as far as australia in some cases and some of the african countries also helps with trust because when people are in strange lands and having to deal with you now i come from a very problematic industry i mean the fashion industry at the most basic of the fashion i mean at the most basic level everyone has a tailor and everyone knows the perception of 
a tailor, right? You already know how Christmas they're going to do this. That's going to happen. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yet there are people who are saying, look, give this person this assignment and go to bed. It doesn't matter if they're in Nigeria. It doesn't matter if they're in this. It doesn't matter if they're tailors. It doesn't matter if they're designers because there is what? Trust. You've built a reputation around a certain level of work and certain, you know, um, values. And those things, once you, you, you use these tools, we use the internet to communicate all of these things in different ways, you know. And thankfully, the good thing about social media is also that people are willing to talk about how they got things or how they accessed certain things. So your products are no longer hidden per se, you know. Um, sorry, I'll just check on sourcing is another thing. So for instance, as I said, on occasion, I've had cost to go physically to maybe an Istanbul, visit China physically. But with what ticket prices are saying, you will help yourself and save yourself a lot if you've done the first step, you've automated certain things, you've sorted out payment routes, you've sorted out, you know, those things that will make access possible and easy so that you can be dealing with a vendor in China or a vendor in Turkey. And I've never seen them. If they pass me on the road today, I don't know what they look like, you know, or they know because money does not have language, right? It's just pay me, collect. How do we ship? How do we receive? That's the language. So it's in answering these things that we've been able to use the internet to help ourselves, you know, stay afloat. Um, the last thing being education or self-improvement or professional development, because it's also key to remaining relevant in your space. You want to stay or at least have very current knowledge, exposure, experience within whatever it is that you're doing. And taking all of these extra trainings here, courses, and even giving trainings ourselves. These are tools that we've been able to use to address these five things that I've um, mentioned right now. And I see we're almost at five o'clock, so I'll stop there. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so, so much, Kubi. Right, so um, you're right, we're almost at five, so we're trying to speed up things now, but thank you for your contribution. And you're really right when you say the internet of things. Internet makes everything accessible. I mean, the world is global now. You can be anywhere and be everywhere using the internet. Um, thank you so much. Um, I know that we've approved for some people to um, contribute. I don't know if they're ready to speak now. And if it's a question that you have, please direct it appropriately. Otherwise, I would help you direct it. But just if you have someone that you want to, um, that you would like to answer your question. All right. So we have. Can I? Okay, please go ahead. Yes. Um, good, good afternoon. Um, good afternoon. I, when I saw this space, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I saw this space. I was browsing through the Twitter spaces and I saw it yesterday. I was like, ah, this topic is very interesting. I was here it started and uh, I want to appreciate all the speakers that have spoken, all the guest speakers they were spot on, but I just want to react to the conversation so far so good um, I think um, we have come to, our, our mindset is now wired in such a way that um, no matter what, you know, 
everybody must jackpot, you know. But the truth is that I don't think everybody will jackpot. That's the truth. The whole of Nigeria, the, all the youths cannot jackpot. So what I just want to say is that I feel that the youth should use that. I mean, jackpot should be a plan B. While you are here, what are you doing? I think that's what the youth should ask themselves, you know. But I want to say this, that um, um, everything has a bad side, you know. Even those that are dear, those that have jackpot, they miss the vibe of Nigeria. I, I get that a lot from many of them. Sometimes they will say it, you know, they miss that vibe, that home. Some of them, you see, not everybody has the uh, mental strength to go through all those systemic racism, you know, and everything in between that is going on out there, you know. So I think some of them just miss that, you know, that spirit of Nigeria uh, against all odds. Uh, but the truth is that those countries that they go to, they have better governments and everything. It's not just rosy to me all the way. And I just, as a wrap-up, I just want to say that me, I used to be, I, I used to believe so much in Nigeria, and I believe that Nigeria will still, you know, get better, you know. But something happened to me. Uh, well, let me just say that may Nigeria not happen to you. And when I say it this way, um, this security issue happened to me. I mean, the the negative situation of Nigeria, and it happened here in Lagos. So Lagos that we are thinking is even very secured, you know, it's not really secured. Um, I'm privileged to even speak with you guys. It's only by. Um, I'm not sure if it's just me, but I can't hear to me anymore. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, we can see you here. Go ahead, to me. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's only by God's grace that, that I'm alive speaking with you guys. Um, and I'm of this high spirit, you know. Something happened three years ago to me in this Nigeria, this so-called Nigeria. Um, and a little bit of trigger warning, you know. Um. I was robbed. I was attacked by armed robbers, and I was shot in the face. Trigger one is for violence. So, eventually, um, to cut the long story short, I became a visually impaired person. And thank God for technology that blind people can even access, you know, technology. You know, so I learned. Um, I, I learned how to use my phone. But what why I'm sharing my experience is that um, I now have this fear that. Do I want my son to go through the same risk? Because I have a son now, by God's grace. You know, I was able to overcome depression and suicide and everything that happened. You know, but this, this, I, I now have this fear that if I stay in this country, it, it could have happened to anybody, you know. And now I'm going to raise a son, you know, and he has to go through the risk of going through that, or my kids, or my future kids, you know. So, um, I mean, you see, Many people will not have responded the way I did, you know. I, I, I am, I, I must say that um, now I've changed my mind about this love for Nigeria. Well, I believe in Nigeria and everything in between, you know. So I, I would, I would say that for me, it's mixed feelings, you know. I, I have this, um, I also have this thought that when I get there, I know in a way I love this country. Just there's still that thing inside me that just will feel that ah, I, I, I need to come back. You know, but um, I, I think it's um, individual experiences. People are leaving. There's this, the usual trend now is that, ah, Nigeria is not working. That's why a lot of young people are leaving. But I believe everybody has their reason for leaving. You know, every single individual. Um, all right. But uh, just like the last speaker said, as a wrap-up, um, the only way that things can get better is the political system. Once we can fix that, I believe Nigeria is a blessed country. If that can be fixed, then we'll be having this conversation. So, 
thank you thank you so much tommy um and we just we, thank you for sharing your story first of all i think that was a very personal story but you um, you know you still shared it with us regardless and we appreciate that you were a bit open um and we thank god that you know at least with the help of technology you've been able to navigate through these challenges and um we thank you for just being a part of the conversation thank you for your contributions as well um yeah, I think we can take one more before we wrap up. I don't even think we'll be able to ask all our questions for our speakers because, like we said, it's a very um, it's a conversation that could go on for a whole week and we won't stop. But we really have to stop because of time. So we'll take one more person who's indicated interest to speak. I think Lord Lawal. Um, okay. Um, hi. Can everyone hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Okay. Okay. So. I guess it's it's more like a contribution on the previous question, which was like, what would it take to you know get people that have jackpots, what I call the jackways, to come back to Nigeria? And from my experience and the experience of friends I've spoken to in the UK, in Canada, even in America, it, it wouldn't take much because something that isn't really spoken about by people that have jackpots to people that are still in Nigeria. Is this sort of like, not illusion per se, but like there's, so this better life that you see abroad, there is a lot of commerce to it, right? There's higher taxes, there's higher rent, you see. You end up making a lot of money, but you end up having to spend most of it or put most of it back in the system. And so you have a case where most people that have Japa, the ideal thing they would want to do is make money here and spend it back in Nigeria. So just to, I guess, allude to a lot of the points that Daniel made is that I think if you fix two basic things in Nigeria, I mean, the the, the lot of it is a lot to do and it's going to take decades of, of hard work. But the two basic things you can fix is if you fix, if you fix electricity and security, I feel like there's a lot of people that will just come back anyways because there's a lot of people like me who really want to come back, but then it's just like, <laughs> I don't want to just come back and then be useless or something. But yeah, that's, that's basically my contribution. Thanks for <laughs> allowing me. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I think I, what I'll just add to what you've said, Lord Lawal, is that in as much as, you know, we want the government to change, we want leadership to change, we really hope that that happens, right? But we're also hoping that we as individuals can do our own part, right? Can actually take up responsibilities to help. We as individuals can actually take up responsibilities and help in this because as we're pointing all these fingers at government, we also have a part to play, right? We are Nigeria. We are the people. I mean, Nigeria, if Nigeria is empty, then there's really no country. But we must do our own bit to ensure that this country moves forward. But thank you so much, everyone, for your contributions. Um, I think we, I'm not sure, there was one more person who had indicated to speak, but I don't think a person is still here. If otherwise, we will just start to wrap this up because we have a few more minutes. We've exceeded the time, but again, these are conversations that we must have. Um, I'll just ask Shea a final question, right? Shea, what kind of business opportunities do you think are available in Nigeria for someone with little or no startup capital? 
Okay. Um, thank you again, Muji, for that question. Um, the reality is that there are opportunities everywhere in Nigeria, right? Um, first of all, we have a population of over 200 million people. Um, for those of us that live in cities, there's a lot of concentration of people there. And these people have needs, whether it's they have to feed, whether it's that they need to be transported, whether it's that they need to wear clothes. I mean, there's they need to buy a recharge card, they need to cut their hair. I mean, the fact that we have the population that we have and all of them are concentrated within a small um, geographical area um, points out to the fact that, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. But then I think where the challenge is, is that a lot of people assume that you need a lot of money to start a business. And, and I think that, that's a myth that is so wrong. Um, anybody that, if you ask all the guys, I mean, you, if you listen to either Koscharis or uh, a lot of other people that have spoken about how they started their businesses, what you always realize is that they started with a small or with little capital. So what, what you need to do is, in anything you choose to do, right, um, you need to learn to start with little capital, start small, but at the end of the day, think big. Because it's by starting small that you make your mistakes in small spaces. You, you know, your mistakes will be small. You'll be able to stand up and get back from it. But if you go and start big, <laughs> and the mistakes will come, right? The mistakes will be big, and the chances that you recover from that, you know, would be um, ridiculously crazy as well. So um, I think just to summarize everything I'm saying is that, look, um, you do not need significant capital to start whatever it is that you want to pursue at the end of the day. Um, with your little capital, which will, which will, more importantly, a lot of knowledge about what it is that you want to do, you can become and achieve anything. I, 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 I I'll close it on that note. Thank you. Hi, Shay. Yeah, did, did you guys okay, hear me? Okay, all right. Uh, okay, I, I, I was just checking that you were done. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I think, you know, to add to that, people underestimate the power of social capital. I think a lot of times we are so focused on the financial capital that people underestimate the power of social capital. So within your circle, within the your community, how can you leverage what they have to, you know, come to collaborations, partnerships, and just build on that? You never really know, you know, how you can leverage your expertise to another person's experience and then something else and together you can actually build something solid. So I think we should also start to look towards um, mm -hmm. leveraging social capital actually. So I would ask my final questions to our speakers before we take the closing remarks. So um, uh, please let's stay because we're almost wrapping this all up. My question will be, so I will ask, um, Okay, he says I shouldn't call him Mr. Tony. <laughs> I'll ask Tony, right? So I just stylishly called you Mr. Tony, but I didn't call you Mr. Tony. That's what I did. So I'm going to ask Tony, in what ways, right, can Nigerians in diaspora participate or maybe just remain engaged in Nigeria, either through investment or through different things, right? How can they participate or be, you know, actively engaged in Nigeria, even though they're in diaspora? Um, you have 60 seconds, please, so can wrap this up. Over to you, Tim. All right. Uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I think this is a very interesting question. Uh, we have a lot of Nigerians who are, who are doing well, and 
uh, a survey has been done where most of them have indicated that they wish to have some investment or something to do in Nigeria. So um, there are different kinds of products. For instance, you could, mutual funds, we have mutual funds, both foreign currency and local currency. And we all know what's going on in Nigeria at this point, when Naira just appears to be falling, you know, even literally, you know, uh, in, in value. So so a lot of uh, diaspora uh, folks can actually invest in foreign currency denominated instruments, even though they are Nigerian asset management companies or other financial uh, intermediaries that are that are that are um, managing them. So they can invest in the euro bonds. You can and, and as little as uh, one thousand dollars, you can actually have a euro bond uh, investment. So these investments are collective investment schemes. So they're pulled excuse me, together. And we have products whereby a group of friends can actually contribute money and invest in this uh, invested, um, collective investment schemes. They can be engaged in uh, trade between between Nigerians. And I think, uh, who was it that mentioned? Uh, I don't know. I think it was Kubi who mentioned, uh, you know, people in, 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 the, in Canada, in, Euro, in Europe and the rest of the world. Actually, uh, she calls them and says, look, you can let's do something together so i have i have a group of friends uh in different parts of the world who are interested in doing stuff in nigeria and we generally get together and engage so sometimes they want to buy stuff we help them to get them get those things they want to buy and ship to them so i mean a business could be made out of the needs of people in folks in diaspora for instance uh people like food i remember daniel saying things like uh, whenever he goes whenever he goes abroad it's, it's difficult to find nigerian food actually there are many many businesses that are based on uh, transporting nigerian food to 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 foreign countries so i believe that uh, all it all it takes is for us to link up with the with the with the internet as we as we just uh, discussed uh whereby we can engage in so everybody can look at their environment and see what the opportunities are and we can decide how to uh get uh reward from nigeria to those places and from those places to nigeria thank you very much uh, thank you so much. Um, Daniel, this is for you. Um, same question that I asked um, Toyin. In what ways can Nigerians in diaspora participate or just remain actively engaged in Nigeria? Um, in one minute. Thank you. I, I would say to them, just keep on lending your voice to the situations that are plaguing um, Nigeria. I think just keep on you know, lending your voice. Um, you have the freedom of speech that you have is 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 heavy is good use it tweet it um have conversations send money to your family members here invest if you, if you can uh, but most importantly like i said just uh, lend your voice to the to the problems that it, that it's necessarily that's plaguing us as a country just lend your voice uh, that's one of the uh, things that i would say to them yeah thank you thank you so much so share and um Kubi will answer this again. I'll start with Kubi. Kubi, if you were younger and starting your life and career, would your decision be different and how um, in a minute? If I was starting today, um, 
I don't think so, given the mindset that I had and I set out with anyways. Because I remember that before even going abroad, um, the very first time, I already had family members there and all that. And I remember specifically my uncle asking, oh, so, you know, what kind of things will you be applying for when you're there and this and that? And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm coming back. And he gave me the very puzzled look that many people are getting today. And this was far back as a few years ago. So I don't know. I don't think I would make a different decision. That's the honest truth. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kubi. Kubi for Nigeria. She, <laughs> finally, Shea, um, if you were younger and starting your life and career, would your decision be different and how? Well, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's the experiences that ultimately shape us to become who we are. And um, I think it's a function of that that helps us to determine, you know, the couple of actions that we will take. Um, maybe when we got out of school, um, when we were much younger, uh, you know, it was around the 1999 or early 1999-2000 research on the soul. The economy was moving in direction that, you know, we're doing 15% GDP growth at one point and then 7% after. So there was a lot of resurgence then, right? And we saw a lot of people that were, you know, just regular Jews, you know, uncles that are living across the road that are regular. All of a sudden, you know, they worked at their businesses and they built it to what it is that, you know, it is today. So those kind of things give us the confidence to say, oh, People can actually make it in Nigeria. Um, today, on the other hand, um, with the exchange rate and um, you know what's going on, I, I imagine it would be more daunting for anybody to make decision to stay behind, especially when he's looking around him. The tales and um, his hearing are those of who and doom. You understand? So um, obviously, because of the experiences I have, I definitely will make the same decision. Um, I would still stay, and also considering the fact that you know the one of the fundamental reasons why I didn't leave was because uh, first of all, I don't like cold, and secondly, I, I can't find the food I want to eat there as often as I liked it at the price I liked it it as well. But yeah, and the rest of them you can't find them there easily. So I probably would stay, uh, despite the circumstances. Okay, thank you, uh, Shea. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much to all our speakers. Um, thank you very much to Yobulabi, Yolushea Seton, Daniel Otabo, and of course, Kubi Igwe. Thank you very much for your contributions and very deep conversations that we've had. They were very quite insightful. They were quite insightful. And um, I thank you for joining us. I will hand over to Tigera now. Um, sorry, may I say, may I, may I say, may I say something, please, if uh, just for a, for a, for a few seconds? Um, I believe that um, we could do a bit more justice to this topic. Uh, we need to have perhaps a second part. Uh, there's still so much to say about this, and I and I and I, I crave the indulgence of uh, Vested to to try and you know give it some more time. You know, because, you know, there are so many things we could still talk about, what to do, how to go about things, you know, uh, for all the teeming population of Nigerians that are looking to, to Japan. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Tony. Yes, um, we just spoke our minds. We 
we would um, hold the session again because, I mean, I don't know what we're thinking. One hour certainly wasn't enough to really just, you know, comb through this topic and, you know, draw out insights. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Mujia, I know you didn't ask me, but I choose to stay as well. Um, if I had the same opportunity, I would, I would come back and I would stay. I will come back as a Nigerian, stay in Nigeria. I just try to impact Nigeria as much as I can. Thank you so much for the amazing moderation, Muji. And to all our speakers, thank you for taking out time off your busy schedules. I know how busy all of you are. You know, but thank you for joining the session. Um, I don't know if you guys enjoyed the session. We're so sorry that we had to end it because of time constraints, but um constraints, but we we definitely will do this again. Um and like Tommy said, you know, while you're here in Nigeria, what what, what are you doing? How are you adding value? Um, I mean Tommy's story really touched us. Thank you so much for sharing. Um it was very inspiring. Um, um and and Tony really um, the part that you said, even when you're in the diaspora, you can also impact, you know, Nigeria, impact home by investing in Nigeria. There's so many opportunities now that we can, um, you know, invest in Nigeria, invest back home, no matter where you are, whether you're in Nigeria or you're in the diaspora. Um, the problems that we're facing or the problems that we're experiencing in Nigeria are not peculiar. They're not peculiar to Nigeria alone. They're happening all over the world. Um, but if a lot of us are intentional about seeing change, um, the kind of change that we want, then, you know, we need to start by taking control of our reality. Again, we, we are neither Team Jackpa nor Team Stay, you know, but, and, and, and we're also not sitting on the fence. Um, really just want to, um, really just want to help you achieve financial well-being. Can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, so so we really just want to help. I mean, Vesta just wants to help, um, you know, Nigerians achieve financial well-being, whether you choose to jackpa or whether you choose to, to stay in Nigeria. And this is why we have the Vested app in, in the app stores that can help you achieve this financial well-being. If you haven't already visited our website, go on there, it's vested.ng. We have so many resources that are aimed at helping you achieve financial well-being in Nigeria. It's very possible. And um, we have social media channels um, at Vested NG on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and TikTok that are solely centered on helping you achieve financial well-being. So thank you again to all our speakers. Thank you to everyone um, who joined and everyone who has stayed um, until now, thank you so much to all those that contributed, all those that asked questions and shared their opinions, um, and to those that have followed us um, and have downloaded our app, we're really grateful. Um, if you have questions or if you'd like to speak to any of the speakers, please DM us, send us a DM, and we'll be happy to answer those questions or you know make that connection. Um, we really hope that you guys found this session useful. But until next time, keep being intentional about achieving financial well-being, um, you know, whether you're here or you're, you're in the diaspora. And I don't know, what else can I say? See you, see you on the other side of success. And we will definitely do this again. And we'll communicate with you guys. But thank you so much for your time. Cheers. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Chidera.
have a lovely evening, morning, and afternoon, depending on whether you're in Japan or not. Bye. Bye.